Hello listener, welcome to Switch. New year, new you. Same old pod. While the global T20 franchise circuit continues to chew up everything in its path, like a rogue fungal infection that will eventually wipe humanity from the face of the earth, we're hunting out the bilateral safe zone still dotted throughout the calendar. England's men are about to venture back into action in the half-forgotten World Cup Super League, with three ODIs in South Africa that were rescheduled from December 2020 because COVID. There is, of course, a 50 year World Cup in India later this year, so it's a good time for Andrew Miller and Vitushan Ihantaraja to pull on their pyjamas, preferably ones with thermal lining, since it's currently Baltic outside. Good to see you, uh, chaps. Happy 2023. Uh, Miller, is this going to be the year that cricket finally eats itself? Yeah, you do wonder, don't you? I mean, this this past month has been baffling. I, I mean, I lose. I genuinely have lost track of what I'm covering and when and what time zone and where. So we've got the Big Bash, we've got the Bangladesh, we've got the ILT, I, we've got the SA20. I've got players who are playing in one and then suddenly popping up in the other because they've 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 um, switched switched away from the BBL to South Africa in Faf Duplessis' example, uh, to name just one of many itinerants out there. Um, it's it is unsustainable. It's also it's also that sort of tipping point that has that um, has been warned about for quite a while now. I mean, Andrew Strauss when he was um, banging on about the, uh, the 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 Red Bull review last year was talking about the tectonic plates shifting. And um, the thing about tectonic plates when they shift is that suddenly things get really quite lively quite quickly. And uh, suddenly, I think we're we're right in the midst of that now. And uh, yeah, it does feel as though franchise cricket is dominant. I mean, there was a, there was a day the other day. I think it was um, it must be New Zealand playing Pakistan uh, when that was kind of the marquee international match of the day. But the Big Bash and I think the SA Twenty has started by then as well. Um, various other tournaments were going on, and I, you know, on various different channels. And I I swear more people were tuning into the franchise stuff than the international stuff. It's it, it is. It is reaching that point that um, the game has got to find a way to respond. And as far as I'm concerned, the best way for that the game to respond is basically to trust the market at, at this precise moment. The fact is that uh, the, if the gravitational pull of these franchise tournaments is such, then you know you got the the the, the added uh, issue of uh, or, or issue is probably not even the right word, but the fact uh, that uh, so many of these franchises are, are owned by by IPL franchises and therefore at some stage you'd imagine they'll all get into the same sort of gravitational pull and you'll end up in a situation where you can if you were say Joss Butler and you're you're affiliated to the Royals you'll be hopping from from Pal Royals to the IPL to wherever the Royals pop up in in the in 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 the uh, Caribbean Premier League move around the world in that way and it'll be more manageable what it does to international cricket in the meantime is 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 another thing entirely but um Right this moment, yeah, as you say, we we've reached this point that uh, the calendar is so crowded, you just don't actually know where you're looking at this precise moment in time. The world is a bit of a disaster movie right now, so I guess it only makes sense for uh, cricket to join the fun. Uh, we will certainly get into uh, franchise Armageddon a bit later, I'll quizzing you all on which England players are wearing which kits this week. Um, Vish. ODIs uh, currently seem about as unfashionable as they ever have been. But then I've just found out that that 70s show has been updated to the 90s. So maybe it's just a sign of getting old. Um, 
has the format had its day? Um, this is one of those regular conversations that comes around. Will it just take a halfway decent World Cup for us all to fall back in love with the humble one day? Well, I mean, I was going to say that's exactly it. It's just, you know, <laughs> one of the three slash four, given today's 100 announcements, uh, you know, one of the formats has a bit of quiet time and then we wonder if it's died or if it's dead already in a ditch somewhere. And then, yeah, well, to, someone know, needs to check in on uh, on hundred ball cricket. No, we, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, there's a funny smell coming from the house, isn't there? Probably, <laughs> probably knock on the door. <laughs> Milk building up on the front porch. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's all it would take. Although, you know, I suppose the, the reason we this conversation started was off the back of what happened last summer in England with regards to the fact that we had that ridiculous schedule with you know New Zealand and India packed sorry well the India and um well New Zealand tests India India in white ball after one off tests and then South Africa and, Nether and Netherlands in white ball as well yeah well <laughs> yeah well I mean at the start of the summer yeah so we're in this absurd situation where um certainly for the for the the middle bit of that summer between uh, between the test series that we yeah it all seemed a bit of a farce and Ben Stokes obviously pulling out of after that Durham ODI after Swan Song and you know, players almost queuing up to mainly lay into the schedule rather than the format. But I suppose ODIs were collateral in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's still quite an engaging format. I think, you know, a lot of the chat, and I, I think we'll probably go into this later about how transferable T20 skills are to 50 over cricket. Um, and also the idea that the entertainment is transferable, that like, oh God, you know, imagine if they're going at, <laughs> going at 10 and over for 50 overs. How mad would that be? Um, so we are going to come to a point, I think, where specifically with this England team, we're going to find out how true that really is. Entertainment-wise, certainly from a broadcaster's point of view, it feels like the conversations they're having are about worthwhile series. And generally, ODI series have been the least worthwhile series, not least because of, you know, certainly beyond the, the whole championship element to it in terms of qualification for the World Cup, there was, it felt like they were just squeezed in for the sake of broadcasters when actually now broadcasters are having a conversation about actually do we really want these kind of things do we really want these kind of series so is there I another mean, franchise t20 league that we could be broadcasting instead well yeah i mean right <laughs> as you, you know as you are as you asked and um, miller answered you know that is eating itself as well so we might have a conversation <laughs> about that in a few years time or even a year's time but i mean i quite like it i feel like people a lot of people like it i think it satiates both parties to an extent people who want the Slow grind, but people who also want to go to a day's cricket and have the result by the end of the day. But I think, yeah, as you said at the start, this is a conversation we keep having. And um, I'm sure, you know, Miller's got a better answer for this that he recorded maybe two, three years ago. So we, can, we might as well play well, that. Well, funnily enough, funnily enough, it wasn't, wasn't two or three years ago. It was in 2004 I wrote my first article saying that the, the ODIs had run the course. That was the year after the first 2020 Cup. I basically wrote back then for for, for Crick Info that um, basically the future would be test matches would be the the gourmet and fast food is is T Twenty. There's no room for for ODIs. Clearly, that was I wrote that in the middle of England's massive slump. You know that post 1992 slump that England had of, of basically not caring about uh, fifty over cricket. Clearly, that changed more recently, but then it changed back again overnight. You know they won the World Cup in. It, on on the on the fourteenth of July, uh, two thousand nineteen. On the fifteenth of July, two thousand nineteen, they ghosted the format. They basically basically haven't given a toss about it since. So 
you know, the, the, again, going back to the original point, the, we are reaching this tipping point of franchises are taking over the world. And it's a point that actually Mark Butcher used to make on on the pod back in the day about about um, bilateral T20 series. He said there's no point in playing international T20 series outside of World Cups because, you know, there's enough of it already. We don't need this. And, you know, perhaps it's getting to that same point with the 50 over World Cup. The, 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 the ICC's event, the 50 over World Cup, and, and to a lesser extent, the Champions League, as, as when they can decide what they want to do with it, is a good tournament. It's a it's a it's a gripping event. It, it, people want to be a part of it. People, there's, broadcasters want to be a part of it. Sponsors want to be a part of it. Maybe we're reaching the point that actually you don't need all of the gubbins that goes around touring the world endlessly, just just going through the motions of these 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 bilateral series, and do a bit more like they do for for football. You know, rely on the on the the club system to provide all of the the day-to-day excitement and the day-to-day form that players will need and then say, right, Pals Joss Butler, can you replicate your sensational form in the SA20 and take it to England? You know, that that that's probably where we're headed. I mean, it, I, I can't, you know, for all manner of reasons, broadcasting deals specifically and, you know, the, 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 the hand-to-mouth existence that, that most of the national boards have, that's not a, not a situation you can get to overnight. But Clearly, you see what South Africa have done uh, most recently. They're probably the, the 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 country that have really gone down this rabbit hole the furthest, saying, you know what, we are reaching this point where international cricket is not sustainable for us. No one cares enough, you know. Realistically, South Africa are probably the fourth biggest team in world cricket. Let's face it, behind the big three, then everyone wants to play South Africa, and you know they're being they, for so, far too long. They've been basically crumbs crumbs off the table of the big big three so it's hardly surprising they've taken this taken this decision that you know we're going to go down this route we're going to look after number one and we've seen the crowds at the t- SA20 have been exceptional there's no no disguising the fact that the product they've produced for this this window this summer that they've decided we're binning off international cricket has been compelling it's it's brought people back it's got people interested in cricket it's done all the things that probably the game does need globally and maybe that is that is the sort of direction we're headed. Um, like I say, there's no quick fix, no easy answers. But if you make compelling tournaments and make them attractive, then people want to go to them, and that in itself will ramp things up. And you know that's what I suppose is, you know, in a roundabout way, of kind of what the hundred was trying to do. The only trouble with the hundred is it came came along and and disrupted a, a format in England, in, in particular Test cricket, that was actually paying the bills and was actually doing the job. Everywhere else in the world. That's probably not the truth anymore, and so you, you can kind of understand why why other countries would would think you know what let's look after number one here and um and 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 set set ourselves up for a future that doesn't actually include international cricket. Well, there is lots to get into there, and uh, we will probably touch on this again. At, Miller's been having this conversation for the best part of twenty years, so there'll be <laughs> there'll clearly be future instalments. The only thing that can stop the runaway success of the SAT twenty is actually a bilateral series between England and South <laughs> exactly, Africa. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because the tournament is being interrupted uh, at the end of this week. Um, I think the group stage will end and then the uh, knockout stage will be played afterwards. And this is sort of a, 
a legacy of well, all the the, the scheduling snafus that have uh, affected cricket over the last couple of years mentioned that this series, this uh, World Cup Super League um, series, should have been played in December 2020. England obviously uh, caught wind of someone catching a cold and flew home. Uh, I think there were COVID positives involved, but um, it has been shoehorned back into the calendar. Uh, it's I would say vital for the uh, both teams' World Cup hopes, but it's not really um, England having already qualified. Um, so, I mean, the, the World Cup qualifying league sounds a good idea, doesn't it? But um, I challenge you, and we will again come to this, to work out who is going, who isn't, and who needs what for over the next three or four months to uh, to secure that spot. Um, South Africa aren't guaranteed, and that that is where the jeopardy comes in. They uh, are looking at potentially going to the qualifier in Zimbabwe in June, I think. Uh, and this is all obviously with the World Cup uh, in uh, October in India. Um, and anyway, let's let's get into the uh, the feast of, of bilateral one-day cricket we have coming up. Three games uh, in Bloemfontein and Kimberley. Uh, more than half of the England squad selected already in South Africa, uh, warming up at the SA20. Um, sort of Miller touched on the football model. What could possibly go wrong? Um, if there's a sport with no problems out there, it's it's definitely professional football. Um, a few more are heading over from the UAE. I don't think anyone has tried to play in both competitions as yet. There was some talk that Moeen Ali was going to be sort of shared between um, the ILT20 and the SA20. Uh, I don't think that's happened, uh, but I may have lost track. Um, anyway, and there's a few... Uh, players, I think Ben Duckett, I think David Willey, uh, who have just actually had a break, which is probably the most sensible thing that you could do. Um, the the headline, I think, from the squad though, Vish um, Joffre is back. You saw him in the uh, in the UAE again. Uh, this was for the Lions before Christmas. He's been uh, he's actually been given a, a bit of a warm up uh, rehab by uh, being picked up by the the Mumbai. Indians Cape Town franchise. Um, the ECB very grateful in this uh, case for, um, for, for for a bit of franchise cricket. Um, so he's played five games, which I, I think is a, is a bit more than was expected um, when it was all sort of set up a few months ago. 19 overs, eight wickets, uh, a wicket with his third ball back after 18 months without playing a senior uh, professional match. It's almost two years since he will have played for England. Um, so that's something to get excited about, right? Yeah, without question. Like, <laughs> um, I think it was funny that the man himself, Joffre, when um, after he had that first game for MI Cape Town, he went off the field and I think maybe the next day he, he tweeted that he, he couldn't really believe the support. And it feels like, obviously, it's a huge deal for England, but for a guy who only really had two years of international cricket under his Bell. It's it was fascinating seeing, I suppose the the global joy, if that is the right phrase. Um, you know, cricket isn't quite the certainly at this level isn't quite the global sport, but it was felt like people from all parts of the globe were kind of tuning in to watch him go. No, no doubt to watch this, you know, latest competition start up as well. But it felt like everyone appreciates the fact that having someone like him back in the game is unequivocally a good thing. And I suppose to take a step back, you know, you mentioned there about. England actually being glad for this T20 competition being about for Joffre to have this, I suppose, this... Well, I mean, it, it is a return, really, isn't it? It doesn't feel like a return because it's over there in a new competition, but it mm -hmm. is, absolutely. You know, it's as 
I think his last competitive act was during maybe for Sussex twos, I think in that um, 2021 summer. Mm. Um, but those conversations started back in the English summer, rather, you know, getting Joffre in this tournament, that, that conversation in earnest started in the 2022 summer when, you know, Graham Smith went, met with Rob Key and there was a bit of an arms race going on with the ILT20 and the SAT20, which Moeen was very much in the middle of, you know, he was signed <laughs> by a franchise in the ILT20, but he was signed by the competition in the SA20 and they were going to give him a team, but it couldn't quite work it out. And in the end, he had to make a decision to, you know, choose which parent he wanted to stay with over the weekend. Um, <laughs> the one with the most money, presumably. Always, always. You might get two gifts, but one's always at the better house. Um <laughs> But there was, uh, but you know, it it, it started in there. Um, Rob Key had this conversation with Graham Smith. Uh, obviously, couldn't make any promises and said that you know they would have no issues right um, giving out NOCs. And then when it came to actually you know sorting out this roadmap for Archer's return, that kind of played in quite neatly. You know, as you said, I saw Joffre um, when he was part of the Lions out in the UAE. He'd been training in Dubai for the from, since the start of November played that game against the full England team, which wasn't really a game. It was a two-dayer that was supposed to be a three-dayer. Um, but the day before the MI Cape Town deal was announced, we sat down with Rob Key as well. And as director of cricket, he he basically gave us his roadmap. This was one of the more important parts of it because it was his first turn to competitive action. Um, and the idea was it would lead into this um, this one-day series and then into the IPL and then into, you know, into Sussex ahead of the Ashes. Uh, so he was never going to do New Zealand. Um, and yeah, it's been a pretty remarkable comeback, really. I was really surprised when I saw him in the UAE, just how, I don't know, just how how good he was. Bear in mind that we hadn't seen him in so long and, and you always get, the longer fast bowlers are out for, the more tentative you get. But, he, you know, he looked a bit thicker. He looked more robust. He was bowling quickly and, you know, the speed guns have been doing him a great service out in South Africa. That's not to say he hasn't actually been bowling quickly because he definitely has. But, yeah, it's been heartening to see. It feels like, you know, as, as counterproductive it might be to the to maybe the game's future, in the here and now, bowling four overs, you know, in two over bursts, Every other day, I know you know there was a back-to-back game um, about a week ago, but I mean you couldn't really ask for any more for someone for someone like him returning to a format that he, you know, he had nailed well before he'd switched allegiances to England. Um, it's kind of perfect, and without wishing to throw forward to the end of the summer, I don't know. It, it feels like only bad bad luck, you know, veers him off this path. Mm. And okay, he's had a lot of bad luck. But I think there's also a sense that maybe that bad luck's in the past because England are fully across it. Archer, importantly, is fully across it. You know, all the doctors he's working with at the ECB and also at Sussex, they know exactly how to treat him, how much he needs to bowl. And yeah, he seems in a really good place. Bear in mind that we're in a situation now where, barring Jamie Overton, which was, you know, incredibly unfortunate for him, all England's 90 mile an hour plus bowlers are fit. (laughs) <laughs> touch wood we're uh, right now find something uh, yeah. because one of them is going to suddenly break down somewhere um 
Yeah, well, I mean, Miller, this is um, this is the thing with a, with Joffre Archer specifically, but yeah, Mark Wood is being uh, kept in cotton wool. Uh, won't be involved in this ODI series. Um, Ollie Stone is playing in in the SA twenty, but Archer back stress fracture, elbow problems. Um, you always fear when you know really quick bowlers coming back from injuries like that. What the sort of uh, 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 depreciation of, of of power and pace is going to be, um, but it, it's all looked in good order. He's been sort of pushing the speed gun up above ninety miles an hour. Um, he he uh, wicket taking return. Mark Nicholas went full Mark Nicholas uh, <laughs> in, in the moment that that I think it was Wian Luba mistimed it to mid on, um, but it was it was dreamy stuff. It was it was semi orgasmic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as as sort of Vishalusi there, the prospect of England somehow they've, they've always trying to manage their fast bowlers, but get get the three big quick guys, uh, the ducks in a row in an Ashes summer. Um, that's something. Yes, it is. Although, again, going back to those wretched tectonic plates, the the one spanner in all of this is just you know talk about talk about. Um, Moen Ali having two parents, nothing quite like the two parents that, that Joffre Archer has, has ended up with right at this moment. He's he's, he's, he's basically got the IPL on one, one hand in England. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, it's been it's been all very cordial in in um, in much. Well, I say it's been cordial. Obviously, it wasn't very cordial for a long time. And then then post twenty fifteen, England have have reached a an agreement with the IPL that you know what your your existence is beneficial. You know, we won a World Cup, two World Cups. That, Thanks to the lessons learned, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you do wonder whether, with someone like Joffre Archer, and you know, the, just the just the purring mechanics of, of that we've witnessed already in his brief comeback. And you know, it, we say brief, but it's not been that brief. He was only meant to play two games, wasn't he? And he's played five. So already he's pushing. You know, the, all this careful roadmap that was being planned out in Abu Dhabi. It's kind of not quite. The roadmap that 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 Rob Key perhaps had in mind, uh, you know, a couple of warm up games, then then full pelt for England, then ease off a bit, you know, get get yourself ready for the Ashes. I'm not convinced he's going to be allowed to do that, to be honest. If he's bowling five five matches already, looking the goods, he'll presumably get 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 an outing or two for England, and then the IPL comes along. There's no way that that he's going to be going easy at the IPL um, in this sort of mood, and you know, with the, given the IPL. It, it, Love Joffre Archer and you know the MVP of two years ago and everything he brings, the glamour he brings. You know he is a perfect example of the type of guy that will test the resolve of England to actually say, you know what, you're our asset, not their asset. Especially if you know, I think Simon Wilde was writing about it this weekend in the, in the Sunday Times. But what happens if Archer is involved in in the knockouts, which which spill into June? Will that mean he he stays in the IPL knockouts and doesn't come back and gets ready for an Ashes summer? Does that mean that he's not going to be trusted to play a test match because, you know, he won't have got the, the test match overs and the test match disciplines in and suddenly again to the middle of the Ashes and Joffre Archer isn't a factor yet? I mean, you know, it's all speculation at the moment, but that's the trouble with this crowded schedule. You know, previously we've been talking about the over over overburdening of of matches you know the the sheer the sheer weight of international games and now it's frankly you almost feel as though the the, the focus is shifting to where where's where's your main man where's 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 archer where's 
where's Joss Butler? Where's where's David Warner? Where's where's this and the other? You know, which which league are they popping up in in, in this day and age? And so, you know, keeping tabs of that is going to be probably the harder thing uh, for for national teams to manage um, going forward. You know, it's a bit, bit again, we talk about football a lot, but football essentially has has evolved into where's where's Messi, where's Ronaldo, where's Neymar. You know, it's all about the big names, uh, has been for an awfully long time. Uh, cricket feels as though it's heading down that, that rabbit hole as well. And so, you know, if the big names are in demand and they're in demand for more than one format at more than one time, uh, we are going to see um, ructions, I suspect, um, especially when it comes to, you know, heavy duty marquee events such as the Ashes, which, uh, which you know, take up an awful long time. And, and you know, if Archer's, I, I think... And Ben Stokes is rather more sympathetic than Joe Root ever was as a captain. But, you know, if there's a shocking pitch at some stage and Archer's required to bowl 44 overs to win a test match in a Raw Pindy-style shootout, you know, <laughs> is that is that going to be frowned upon? Is is that even feasible for a guy who's, who's you know, elbow problems for a fast bowler are, you know, are, are serious? I mean, we've seen Mark Wood come back from them as well. But it, it, it's uh, he's, he's, he's a... He's quite a global asset all of a sudden, and uh, so I suspect there's uh, issues uh, issues outstanding. It's shaping up to be uh, unmissable stuff, however you uh, cut it. I hope the ECB do go fully down the line of he's our asset and we now want him to come back mid-May to simply to bowl at Stephen Smith in the Hove Nets. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, uh, another aspect of... of of uh, cricket scheduling, which uh, we maybe won't get into too much today, but uh, obviously the the signing uh, of Steam Smith for a three game spell um, at Sussex ahead of the Ashes and and what is almost certainly I think uh, a World Test Championship final appearance for Australia over here this summer. Um, yeah, so lots lots to um, lots of Joffre talk, and um, I mean Vish, these three ODIs. Uh, which have, have you know landed in in the calendar in a in a winter when England have been to Pakistan twice, they've been to Australia, won a World Cup, they're going to New Zealand, they're going to Bangladesh as well. Um, that they don't really need thirty World Cup Super League points here, although I'm sure it'd be nice to get them. South Africa certainly need them a lot more. Um, I'm guessing that Archer probably isn't going to play three straight games uh, um you know with 10 overs a pop in each um they've got Ollie Stone in, in the squad as well um a chance to impress for him he's you know missed a lot of international cricket over well since his since his debut which is going back several well, four winters now something like 2018 um so as ever it's going to be um, managing those assets um you've got Reese Topley coming back from injury as well um 14 man squad uh, yeah, uh, I mean England have uh, no. We know what they can do in in one day cricket, um, and you know, like uh, as mentioned, they don't have to win here. But uh, what what will Matthew Watt be perhaps looking to get out of it? Do you think? I suppose. I mean, it's twofold, really, isn't it? It's kind of getting up to speed after those disappointing fifty over results in the summer, mm. while also you know making sure all the bowlers are. Are ticking along, and you know, Reese Topley and Ollie Stone also playing in the SA20. You know, um, Topley for Durban Giants, Durban Super Giants. Um, Ollie Stone was, uh, you know, a teammate of, or is still technically a teammate of Archer's, uh, um, MI Cape Town. 
Um, so I feel like it's that really, because the balance is an interesting one because, you know, Ben Stokes isn't there. Ben Stokes is still retired, but there's a, there's an idea in the ether that you could bend his arm closer to the point, you know, show him another stage and by all means he'll want to, he'll want to get up there and do his, do his bit. Um, but yeah, primarily it feels like, it feels like balance really. And it feels like more that England are going to need bowling options regardless because, you know, it, it isn't quite, well, you know, just because of the, you know, the fact that it's a longer format than T20, you, you don't really want to rely on just five people bowling 10 overs on the bounce. Um, and I suppose that all rounders will come into play, such as someone like Chris Wotes, who is, you know, a little bit of a forgotten man in all this. And it's almost, it almost feels like because the test side have gone beyond him that, you know, he, he's neither here nor there. But I suppose this, this amounts to something of a, a bit of a, well, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him here, but it feels like this is potentially a bit of a swan song for him because he's someone who balances so well. His new ball bowling in 2019, which obviously is, you know, coming up to four years ago now, was incredible. Perhaps one of the most underrated parts of, of England winning that um, 50 over World Cup. Um, but he's also vital to the balance because of that all-round element to it. And, you know, you can also throw in Mo and Ali as well. But then you've got you've got various different things that come into play there with with Sam Curran as well. So I think ideally, you know, if you look at the, if we look at the attack and specifically the all, and throw the all-rounders in there as well, there'll be a left and right arm seam balance that he'd, he'd want to strike. Um, someone like David Willey is an interesting one. He might kind of end up being one of the great survivors of English cricket, really, given where things seem to be headed um, mm. going into, you know, what well, rather in that 2019 summer. Um but yeah, I feel like it is the bowling because the batting seems to, I mean, it just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The only question mark I would have, well, question mark that's existed for, uh, you know, since the summer really was someone like Jason Roy, Phil Soul, you know, a bit of a dynamo in T20 cricket, you know, very, very attacking. What does that look like in a 50 over game? You know, what what, do, what does an archetypal Phil Soul innings look like when he's got time in the middle and maybe doesn't need to go as hard or can take his time early doors. So it's interesting to see, you know, but I, I haven't mentioned Harry Brook there because I feel like he's just so plug and play now that it doesn't really matter. Like let him, you know, put him inside and watch him average 70 odd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I guess. So, so I guess, I guess the most fascinating name in many ways is, is one who's not even there is Will Jacks. And, you know, particularly in light of Jason Roy's struggles and like Jason Roy, it feels like he's, this is a hugely important little little opportunity for him to just just show something because he had a had a pretty shocking time of it in the English summer. He didn't he didn't fire when he came back into the those dismal ODIs in in uh, Australia recently. And Will Jacks, for so many reasons, particularly the balance you're talking there. I mean that that, that ball he bowled um, uh, Butler with the other day, a, a nice tweaking off break straight through the gate. You know that on Indian pitches having a guy like him. Who can smack twenty-two ball fifties and bowl very serviceable off breaks that will that will help to broaden out the balance of the attack elsewhere? It feels like he's he's a guy who who's you know almost not being there. He's he's enhanced his case anyway. It's like you know whoever whoever fails makes makes way for him. Um, so that's a really interesting little conundrum. It, it, it does feel again with so many England players uh, on the franchise circuit. I think we counted about seventy. All told, including the, uh, the, the, the tournaments gone already, like the, the Abu Dhabi T10s and Nepal and Bangladesh, all the rest of it. 
About 70 England qualified players, county players, are out and about this winter showing the world what they can do to greater or lesser extent on the franchise circuit. About a fifth of the county um, roster, essentially. And so there's a huge scope for these guys to just, just show what they can do on whatever stage is available to them. And uh, it's almost as if the guys within the test, within the, the international squad at the moment is, uh, well, you know, they're, frankly, this, this three game, these three games, a bit like the last three games in Australia, are broadly pointless. You know, they, 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 they can go through the motions, they can get a little bit of, little bit of a feel for playing within their, within their structure of, of how it feels to line up as an England team again. But by and large, it's what they're doing on the franchise circuit for the foreseeable that is actually going to mark their card or otherwise and uh, you know reconvene ask again in in September say and uh, and see what the what the shakedown looks going into the world cup but until then um it, it's really as i say Roy one guy who really really needs to impress here but the rest as far as i'm concerned can probably just go through the motions because you know it, it does look as though the guys in that squad uh, are there or thereabouts uh, with one or two um fringe exceptions but also, um, the, the, there's also there's also the case that you know these ODIs are their only chances before the World Cup because, with all due respect to the competition, I don't think any going to duck out and playing playing the one day cup ahead of the hundred, thinking you know what, I could do with some fifty over prep here. Yeah, but this this is the thing. This is kind of, this is kind of where you know I haven't said the word basball yet, but this is kind of where basball comes in. Is like you take the mindset that you've developed on the franchise circuit, think, you know what, if I see the ball, hit the ball as far as I can, I'll be all right. You know, if they can do that in test cricket, they can do it over 50 overs. And that, that, is, that is the mentality that these guys, I think, are, are zeroing in on at the moment. Uh, all of them, not just the guys who are, who are multi-format. But, you know, there, there are guys outside of this, this particular squad. I'll just flick it up for the moment, you know. Um, Joe Root, he's not, he's not, he's not including this squad. Are we, are we really assuming that Joe Root is out of the... The picture for for the World Cups, and because he's not going to be getting a chance to play fifty over cricket between now and then, absolutely not. You know, if if you got form in whatever format you could play in going into that final push in October November, um, I reckon under the current climate, because you know it's not just England; it's every single country in the world is part of this this franchise morass at the moment. Everybody is is feeling the turbulence. South Africa are feeling the tournament so much they haven't even qualified for the World Cup yet. You know, there, there, there's an awful lot of awful lot of churn that will happen. It's not the same scenario as England had going to the 2019 World Cup, where the world was a very different place and they needed to play catch up to find the skills required to get rid of 20 years of failure. You've, we're past that point now, as far as I'm concerned. We're past that point. We're into a, into this, you know, this tectonic plate world where you know just just float around on on whatever whatever iceberg you happen to be on and you know get get to get together mix up a metaphors terribly there but you know what i mean it, it it's it's all it's all over the shop and so by being all over the shop you just land in, in a heap whatever 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 sides pointing upwards and get ready for a world cup it's pretty much how england won the 20 over world cup there was absolutely no rhyme nor reason to the squad that got out there but when they arrived they pulled it together and thought you know what we're quite good at this Let's go and win. It's, it, it, that I think is kind of being going to be the case for pretty much all the teams going into into the winter. There's also um, so there are seven ODIs at the end of the summer um, against New Zealand and Ireland. You'd imagine 
given the push towards contract players playing in the 100, that it might be a case that some of them actually sit out the last part of it. Probably not too similar to what Reese Topley did uh, last summer with the 100, where he wanted to preserve himself for the T20 World Cup. Um, you know, so, you know, you've got, yeah, you've got a situation there where the multi format players coming off the back of an Ashes might fancy a rest. They'll probably, maybe they'll take that rest in the, you know, in the 100. But you'd think from Matthew Mott's point of view, he'd want to go into those seven ODIs with pretty much the squad plus one or two others. That's not really the time to start, you know, trying to work out balance and things like that. Or even, I suppose not, not so much balance, but more more personnel. You probably want to have a vague idea of your, of 30, 13 bankers, which is probably 15 given the, I suppose, the, the diversity of attack and, and batters that England have at the moment. But, you kind of want to use those as tune-ups. You don't really want to go in into those ODIs, I think, with too many questions, especially mm. given you're then going to be moving over to a series or rather a World Cup in Asia. Mm. I, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But one, one thing, I, one thing I would add to to the wibbles I've come up with so far is that this is this is kind of where I think Matthew Mott's going to have to earn his corn. I mean, you know, winning the World Cup first, first, first instance was was great, but you know. To a degree, his his feet aren't quite under the under the table yet. You know, to be to be brutally honest, but the point was when he got appointed last year. You know, Rob Keys joined up thinking about you know appointing Brendan McCullum as as a guy who could who could unify the philosophies of the red ball and white ball camps and take one single mindset across into all formats, as opposed to having the the pigeonholed mindset that, that Bayliss had to had to rely on to make sure they didn't lose focus on the World Cup goal. He had to sort of stick Test cricket in neutral and tick over and and basically lose momentum. This is where Mott needs to needs to be able to communicate across dressing rooms to a degree. You know, I I, I saw I saw Matt speculating uh, in the way that Matt does about about Joss Butler's potential for playing in the Ashes. And the fact is that you know Basball is calling to the best players in the world. Prove yourself. Go on, have a go. So can you can you do this and if anyone is set up to nail the brief in Test cricket under the current philosophy, it's someone like Joss Butler. So will he be tempted to play the Ashes this summer? Will Joffre Archer get the chance to play the Ashes in, in light of everything we're discussing already? All of these things, I believe, are going to feed into the way that England line up going into that World Cup. The, 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 the successes, the failures, the, the learnings across every single format, including franchise, including Test cricket, just you know, and you know, as we saw with Harry Brook, the way he performed uh, recently in the PS, uh, thanks to playing in the PSL, he was able to land in in Pakistan and nail the brief and score runs left, right, and centre. England are not going to go out to a World Cup in India as strangers to Indian conditions, even if they don't get a chance to practice there. So you know, the world is the world has changed un- unrecognisably in in the time it's taken. For England to sort of uh, well post post pandemic really you know obviously winning the World Cup in 2019 was kind of the end of that that previous cycle of of English white ball cricket and global white ball cricket and now post pandemic it's it's into this fragmentation and um, take take your take your form and your chances where you can get them it's it's all up in the air. I look forward to um, Zach Crawley facing the first ball of England's World Cup defence <laughs> on the back of. Uh, Three runnable hundreds uh, in the test summer. Um, I mean, it, it just uh, one, one, yeah, <laughs> one, one other, one other um, uh, nugget to stir in uh, into this discussion. Will Jacks, um, 
played 22 list day games, average of 24, um, 100. Last time he played the format, 2019. Uh, so it's confusing, isn't it? It's going to be it's tricky to 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 um to piece this jigsaw together. Um, well, there's I'm... also there's also you know we're forgetting him, well, or rather we're not forgetting him. We just haven't mentioned him, but. You know, there's a certain Johnny Best though, who's um, itching <laughs> yep. to give out there, who's you know probably you know could solve one of these situations. Yeah, up, up he top. might be he might be worth a go. <laughs> quite handy. Yeah. He's quite handy. Yeah. <laughs> um, which yeah, I, I you know I don't know where that leaves us really, but um, certainly Jason Roy needs some runs. Um, it looks like Ben Duckett will will make a comeback in this format as well. I mean, adding to adding to the winter uh, successful winter he's had. Um, Harry Brook uh, in line to debut. Yeah, the batting um, is pretty uh, pr- pretty much sort of set. Um, Butler will be in there as well. Um, Miller, have we seen the last of James Vincent, Sam Billings in, in England shirts? Uh, last seen getting thrashed around Australia in that uh, uh, misbegotten series uh, post World Cup T Twenty World Cup that is. Well, indeed, and 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 last seen, frankly, in Australia in the in the Big Bash as well. And it's, you know the Big Bash is is kind of um, I think no one's really talking moved about on it. Now. I think they're in the UAE now. Oh, they have lost track. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, I I I, I as far as I as far as I as far as I recall, you know, Vince's Vince's time at the Sixers was 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 kind of the the, the zenith of his franchise existence um but you know it's they yes i think they probably have um i mean it's it, it's a, it's a tough one isn't it neither of them ever quite got the uh, got the got the rub of the green uh, billings obviously terrible injury on the eve of that 2019 world cup when he could well have been the sort of the go-to stand-in guy um, and and Vince obviously got his chances and got the World Cup winner's medal but never really nailed Dan and, and arguably, you know, his presence was a reminder of what England were lacking when jo- Jason Roy wasn't there because the way he came back in that semi-final was, was immense. So, um, yeah, it, it's, they've, they've, they've been fine servants and all the rest of it but it does feel as though there's such a, such a wealth of talent just 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 itching to get an opportunity you know i mean as i say 70 70 players out in out on the circuit and you know brooke we barely touched upon um vin uh, uh, sorry uh, jacks clearly the coming man there 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 are there are plenty others i can't even can't even think where they are or, or how how to pin them down will smead it's just will smead exactly no one's really talked about him for for a while um, I mean, no one's already talked about Tom Banton either. They, 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 but there, there, there are there are loads of loads of players who you would argue have probably come on the scene and not evolved more recently than than both Vince and and Billings. You know, they've they, they've they've been they've been mentioned dispatchable. Vince was 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 being discarded and and recalled in twenty eighteen, wasn't he? So so you know, it's it, 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 that's quite a while ago already. I don't know. It, 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 it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, of that period of Australian cricket in the nineteen nineties when you know they they were so dominant in Test cricket specifically that there was there was just a wealth of guys who just barely got out of the blocks. Martin Love, for instance, or uh, or Stuart Law. You know, guys guys like this who who you know would have been snapped up by any other team in the world. Uh, and and you could have built a an entire middle order around players like that, um, but it's just not 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 really 
worked out that way for in the, in this extraordinary wealth of white ball talent that, that England are producing. And just a final point on that, again, uh, you know, it comes back really to you know the, the derided county system is 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 derided, and you know there there are flaws clearly with eighteen counties, but in this eternal balance that you have to strike between elite competition and breadth of opportunity at participation level, for want of a less technical term, the 18-county system provides a breadth of opportunity that gets people into that system. And if it means that they get whipped away to, you know, Matt Critchley goes off and suddenly turn, turn, turns up turns up in God knows whichever league it was this morning. Big bash, wasn't it? Um, um, you know. Melbourne Renegades uh, and Essex legend Matt Critchley. Yeah, Matt, 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 Matt Critchley, latterly of Derbyshire, latterly of Essex, and then suddenly, suddenly, you know, here he is on the, on on a global stage. Uh, it's it, it's an opportunity, isn't it? And it, it, you know, Rian Ahmed, three three matches for Leicestershire, and suddenly he's pitched into a Test match. It, it, you know, for all you can deride the 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 elite credentials of county cricket, the fact that whatever eighteen times eighteen, what does that come to? Uh, the 350 players exist in the county circuit is uh it's 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 kind of helpful for for um making sure that england can contribute uh players to to the global narrative really isn't it yeah what, what was the need for this uh, strauss review Basball is reinvigorating <laughs> test cricket the, the one day sides are winning world cups and and supplying uh, um players around the world um it's 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 all gravy isn't it um so there, there is there is a little bit on these games um certainly for South Africa I think need to win three out of the South Africa have three ODIs here against England and then two I think again rescheduled against the Netherlands they need to win at least three of those five games uh to have a chance of getting above West Indies I think who are, are currently uh, at the back of the pack for that World Cup qualification so um that's uh, that's where the jeopardy lies. Um, otherwise, uh, it's to the qualifier. Um, Ireland could could squeeze out some of the big boys as well. Sri Lanka, West Indies, all sort of hovering above the trap door there. Um, and there are World Cups. Uh, World Cups are go go because uh, we go over to the women's game. We've got a, a, a T Twenty World Cup in South Africa. More cr- yet, yeah, more cricket. Um, there's an under nineteen women's World Cup going on there currently. We've got the uh, uh, the the senior version is. Is not for a, a couple of weeks still. It's it's next month. We'll have Valkyrie uh, Baines on the plane out there for that. Um, England uh, have announced their squad, um, Miller, for this tournament. And and the main um, excitement there, I suppose, is Alice Capsey uh, is included, uh, having broken her collarbone in the Caribbean uh, before Christmas. Uh, England hoping, I guess, that she will be uh, fully fit because uh, that's a tricky uh, injury to manage um, returning from. Uh, there, There is no Izzy Wong uh, in the full squad. I think she's one of the travelling reserves. Um, and we're also looking at a potential last hurrah for Catherine Brunt, I suppose. Yes, I, suppose, I, I imagine those two two aspects are, are related. It's like, you know, Izzy Wong is is going to probably fill those boots as and when Brunt is ready to, to to vacate them, but she's not ready yet. So, you know, if Catherine Brunt has got the got the hunger to go again, 
then why would we ever want to stop her? Because because she's a glorious sight in full flow. So um, that that's great. And yeah, as you mentioned, Alice Capsi, young bones obviously heal quicker because you know if I, I I don't think my collarbone would be recovering that quickly anymore. But uh, no, it's great news because there's so much about what England hope to achieve in in their women's cricket that is encapsulated by her story. Really, you know, not least uh, breakout star of the hundred. Um, you know. It, I think it's. It, it, we all agree that the women's hundred has been the true success story of the hundred to date, and and the and and the narratives that it's created, the opportunity it's given these girls to feel sort of oven ready on the global stage in a way that they simply wouldn't have been under under the previous um, previous system in women's cricket. So it's really great news if Touchwood she is fully fit that she can go out there and 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 hit the ground running in the global tournament because you know even if England can't. Uh, get it together for this one the fact that you know she can get out there and just experience it and absorb it and hopefully produce something just just push, pushes them a little bit further down the line you know the, the next event I can't remember when it is two two years time say when she's she's 2021 20, and um probably entering her entering her prime um so uh, that's um that's that's exciting and it's great news to see her back so you know they obviously had a tough time last year with uh, Lisa Kitely's era sort of fizzled out during COVID and and uh, you know a tough loss in the in the World Cup final and then didn't really turn up in 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 the Commonwealth Games but there's certainly something that she put in place in that transition from from one era to the next and blooding those youngsters um, that that is clearly good for the future of this team and uh, this is I think as far as I'm concerned it's a very important transition tournament England you know I think we'll probably expect to get to the knockouts I doubt they expect to win it yet but uh, uh, get themselves into a position to challenge uh, that's that's all they can ask for at this stage I'm sure you've looked up uh, the TV scheduling for how you will follow uh, a women's world cup in South Africa whilst you're in New Zealand covering <laughs> men's test matches but um, I mean it's going to be all about stopping Australia for someone uh, uh, I would think yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can. It's, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the same old really. You're kind of you're waiting for them to have a blip and then sort Phoebe Litchfield and it's you know Meg Lanning coming back. <laughs> it's suddenly, you know, all the hauntings of uh following men's cricket, you know, or, or rather rooting against Australian men throughout the nineties and early two thousands, it feels like it's flowing back to you. But no, it feels quite um if this feels quite a, a seminal World Cup, bear in mind that we're due to have a lot of the same conversations that we have about men's domestic players when it comes to opportunities opportunities out there. Um, obviously, the women's IPL becoming a thing. The fact that the hundred mm-hmm. are looking to raise their stakes as well, and you'd expect the BBL to to follow suit there. There's obviously chat of a um, doing something more substantial with the CPL as well. So. This feels like, you know, the, it might it might not pan out this way. Certainly, it'll, it'll it'll take a bit more time to get up to this level of worry. But bear in mind, we could be in a situation where things like NOCs become a big deal, where players from other boards who can't afford to back them financially in the way that Australia, India, and England can get in a situation where they just have to grant these NOCs and and hope people come back to to play international cricket um but yeah it, it's it's quite an exciting time it'll be certainly be an exceptional world cup um 
and I suppose on the subject of, of franchise opportunities going forward, if you look at someone like Catherine Brunt, probably her last hurrah for England, not necessarily in cricket per se. You'd think someone of her class still and her stature and personality is the kind of is the kind of name that you'd want in any of these startup competitions, certainly in their first season. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what that happens there. What happens there because you know Miller talked about you know succession planning with Wong. And Brunt, but the idea of watching an England scene without Catherine Brunt is, yeah, pretty, um, well, not great at all. And bear in mind <laughs> how the Commonwealth Games panned out and certainly a lot of the emotion around that as well. I think, you know, I think it, it's a, it'll be a, a quite a testing World Cup for, for this England side as well. Bear in mind how close they got in that 2022 summer in Birmingham and how this does feel a little bit like... Not quite a new generation because it feels like that you know there are a lot of new faces, new young, exciting faces in that team who seem primed for taking on and assuming a lot of the roles that used to be used to belong to, you know, the long in the tooth experienced players. Um, but this does feel like a bit of a changing of the guard within the England team, and this might be the the last tournament where you know do you have memories of, of of players who were there in in you know say that fifty over success in in 2017 so yeah it's an exciting time and it's also i think quite a tentative time and i'm quite see quite keen to see how england approach the world cup as a whole the high pressure moments as well because i think it's something that has perhaps been lacking when it comes to um you know the, the recent history in, in these big tournaments that's certainly something john lewis has been talking about miller yeah, just just find final word on where where the women's game is at because you know just in light of everything we've been talking about the, the the flux that the men's game is in, it almost feels in many ways you know just as just as I say that the women's hundred has been a greater success than the men's, I almost feel as though the women's game is better better prepared for what's coming um, simply because there's less to lose on a on a existing level there you know. Just as England were able to tear up the Kia Super League, which looked on the face of it to be a perfectly serviceable tournament, but in the end, you know, bin it and bring in the hundred. Is it okay? Yeah, I can see. I can see the logic there. Just like that, maybe it's perfectly fine for women, the women's game, to be able to say, you know what, women's bilateral series they don't work. Let's not bother. Let's just make sure that when the women's IPL comes in, and being this kingpin tournament, it allows room for. The big bash to 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 breathe allows room for the hundred, allows room for the Caribbean Premier League, allows room for all these other tournaments to exist, and then make sure that where those tournaments aren't happening, you can have opportunities to play bilateral or play World Cups or the rest of it. It just feels as though the the women's game is is actually better placed to be fragmented and built back together in a in a in a in a in a format that actually will 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 be beneficial to everyone and ultimately you know the money that's been pumped into the women's 100 as well is is crucial because sorry the women's IPL is crucial because fundamentally if there is a concern about the 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 smaller teams producing players and having having formats that pay the bills then actually the best thing almost is outsource all that problem say so, you know what if you play women's cricket domestically in in wherever you may be, New Zealand or, or South Africa or, or any country that, that isn't going to necessarily bring in the money itself, you say, you know what, there's a chance for you to, to hit pay dirt here and get a big deal at the IPL. There's actually a pathway created. Because, you know, there's, there's also there's none of the issues with the women's game or fewer of them. The women, women's Indian players 
are permitted to play elsewhere in the way the men's aren't. And so there, there is a, definitely a chance for the women's game to feel, I think, more more joined up in this fragmented world than the men's game. Um, you know, let, let's see what happens. That, that's that's just my hunch. Uh, but let, let's let's see what what happens when the IPL does actually come into existence and uh, and then everything starts to fall into place around it. But that that's a that's a really important point there, Miller, because just because the men's game has been a certain way, there's absolutely no reason for the women's game to follow suit on on any of it you know cricket has a history of, of women taking the lead on a lot of these things um whether it's you know the inaugural world 50 over world cup whether it's the way that they broke into regions rather than counties because ultimately the counties weren't doing anything for them and even the fact that they're the primary drivers of the hundred there's absolutely no reason why the men's game should be a template for anything they do as you say they should absolutely go and and I suppose lead the line with this kind of stuff because because as you say their their game is set up to move into the new world. And Rwanda are winning under nineteen level, so everyone's winning. <laughs> yes, uh, I was going to say that's where the 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 next generation are coming from. Um, certainly, uh, England's succession planning uh, looks like it could be fun with the uh, the under nineteens cruising towards the semi-finals there. I think they're unbeaten. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of talent uh, coming down the pipeline. I think, may you live in interesting times as, as a Chinese curse, isn't it? So, uh, well, yeah, we are we are certainly the, the world we are uh, heading for. Um, okay, well, I think we're, we're rationing fuel, so that's probably enough hot air for one day. Um, England's men are embarking on their fourth tour of six this winter. No cutbacks being made there. And we'll be bringing you all the action uh, starting in uh, Bloemfontein on Friday. The pod will be back more soon too. Until then, my thanks to Miller and Vish and to you for tuning in to Switch It on ESPN. Thank you.